2: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Corridor Digital Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited about this. We've put a bunch of work into this room. We've got a bunch of great guests in here. It's been months in the making, and we're finally here. The episodes are live. This first episode is with Jake Roper, the host and producer of Vsauce 3. He sat down with Ren and I. We had a great conversation. We talked about his love for science and movies. We talked about Beam and his experiences over there. We talked about how Vsauce used to be owned by Google and then became its own company. And lastly, we talked about his stage three cancer, which he was recently cleared from last year. So some pretty powerful stuff. He's a great guy. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. And if you haven't subscribed yet, I would definitely recommend it. Jake Roper, the host and producer of Vsauce 3, 3. 3.5 million subscribers, a fantastic channel. There is nothing like it on YouTube. In fact, there's nothing like it at all.
0: I think that's very nice of you. Well, it's true. Ren, give me compliments now. You're give me, <laughs> be me compliments. It's so
2: pretty and informative <laughs> um, and fun. It is, <laughs> and there's, there's, it, so it's, 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 this blend <laughs> of you. science. It's this you. blend of movies, mm-hmm. and you kind of just go through it like you're on a little adventure. Yeah, and uh so I, I want to, I want to talk about could you survive the movies? But before, before we get into that, I, I, I want to hear a little bit about why science why movies
0: <laughs> okay um so i've always loved filmmaking i've always wanted to be a director and i think for some reason i just kind of gravitated towards science as being the genre of film that i made or that's so much the genre more as like the topic and then the genre can be anything right um one of the things that i love about film tangent is that it allows you to for at least a brief amount of time be it an hour and a half 30 minutes five minutes to be in control of somebody's emotions which i think is so interesting yeah you know because like I don't know about you. I know Ren cries a lot, but like, I don't usually cry Minutally that often, baby boy. <laughs> but like Every when hour. I'm watching a movie, like the first 10 minutes of up, you just start crying. And like that kind of power, the fact that something that you're watching can do that to you, I think is so curious and so interesting. And I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. So that's where my, my love for filmmaking came through. And also I think a little bit of the psychology. So when it comes to where did this marriage come from of science and film, it seemed to me when I started doing Vsauce that I didn't just have to be a talking head, with a black background, like talking to camera, throwing to like B roll or archival footage. Yeah. It could actually feel like an adventure that we were on. There could be a story to help explain and express what we're trying to talk about. Because, as you said, like one thing I really care about is making it feel like an adventure, making it feel like an experience that we're going on together. Yeah. It's something that's really key to me because it keeps it exciting for myself, but hopefully it keeps it exciting for the audience. Or even if you're not, then it's like, ah, I don't really care about the square cube block. Well, let's express it in a way where it feels really exciting and really big. And you're know, like, wow, I just wanted this cool journey and now I know about all these different things. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Were, were you interested you... in science as a kid? Mhm. I was a uh, I was a little tinkerer. I was really At... into building things as a kid. Did you Legos or Connects? Legos. I didn't have Connect money, sorry. Oh, what? Connects <laughs> <K'nex> were expensive. <laughs> were they? My okay. friends would go be like, "I built a roller coaster." And I was like, "I built Jurassic built Park." Built a castle. I, I love Connects. <laughs> well, okay, Richie rich with your Connects money. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Ooh, father <laughs> dear. I need to get I a motor a metal. <laughs> for my connects. Mm, pass me my wine flask, um, <laughs> is what Ren does
1: all the time. Uh, I drink my Kinex wine flask with the pinky out. <laughs> mm, yes,
0: my Capri Sun is delicious, mm, 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Anyway, yeah, I was really into it, I love building things, like I remember when I was 11, I built my very first computer. Really? Yeah. Like a full, young. like a desktop computer? Oh yeah. I Do went you, to CompUSA yeah. back when they existed. Oh. Wow. Bought all the parts, it was an AMD processor man it was dope
1: yeah i I didn't build my first computer till i was like
2: 20 yeah i was 27 when i built. well
0: i mean if it makes you guys feel any better i was 11 when you guys were like 20 so it was about like the same time Oh yes that's right because i'm so young you're you're like what 20 years old right now young man (laughs) um so i've always (laughs) been curious about how things work and putting things together and also just like i think I don't know. Physics has always been interesting to me because mm-hmm. I just think it's, I don't know. It's not super intuitive, but when you understand the concept of something, you're like, Oh, now that makes sense. Like that, like force. I get it. I, I think I mean, that just, laws of the
1: universe. Yeah. Everything abides Everything by
0: it, Everything abides, it, abides by it. So I've been talking so much. Uh, like the dude abides. Yes. Yeah. That's a movie reference. All <laughs> <Throw laughs> you young kids to a film called the big, big Lebowski. Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Almost blank. <laughs> For some reason I was going to say deuce Bigelow male gigolo. And I don't know why. That's a different movie. <laughs> that is a much different film. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe they say the dude abides in
0: there, too. I don't think they Who do. Knows? Could, so can we get a verification <laughs> on that? <laughs> anyway, I don't even know what we're talking about. Science as science a kid. Science as a kid. Uh, yes.
1: And you got, so you, you, your current, like, I guess, uh, channel basically revolves around merging filmmaking with science mm-hmm. and uh, trying to make a, a good, fun, interesting, like a good time, Right. Some someone inter- is entertained, but they also learn something along the way. Hopefully,
0: yeah, you said it much more clearly than I did. Yeah, D- did I? <laughs> yeah, you're great, Ren. <laughs> oh, well,
1: thank you're you. You're a pro. <laughs> so yeah, you uh, you spent how many months working on
0: this? Uh, Can you survive Mad Max? Uh, I mean, in actual pre-production until we finished it, it was about five to six months. Um, but I've been working it like I pitched it to YouTube in like May of last year. And then it took us until May of this year to actually get into pre-production. And this is a YouTube original show,
1: which means everyone can watch it for free right now.
0: Yeah, that was something that was very important to me. Like, at the end of the day, us creators don't have a say. And if it gets, if it's original or premium, which is behind the paywall. But I was very uh, adamant in it being original by just bugging them every single week. And luckily, by <laughs> the end, they were like, I remember we had just did our picture lock on the on the video. Like, it was done. Uh-huh. We, were, we had already finished, like, color correcting it everything. And they were like, "Hey, good news! It's going to be uh, free to watch. So now you need to go back in and, and make five commercial breaks." And we're like, "Oh, oh we lost like our editor and all that stuff." And then, like a few hours later, like, "Oh, never mind. You just need. We're just going to do a commercial in the beginning and the end." I was like, "Oh, thank
1: goodness! Oh, nice. Yeah. So we did not have to
0: change anything." Um, but I was so excited about that because you know, I think I want to make videos, and the reason I went to YouTube is so everyone can watch them. Yeah, there's no like barrier to entry. It's not like a ride at Disneyland. You can be any height
2: any to ride height. the ride,
0: um, and that's what's important to me. Yeah, is I. If I if I made something and, like, only 100,000 people could possibly watch it, that seems less rewarding to me than being able to have anyone watch it. Um, so that was a very key part to me. So, yeah, luckily it's a YouTube original, and if I get to make more, there will all be a YouTube originals. So that will hopefully, my dream is, knock on wood, that this, will all, this is all I'm going to make. It's just, like, eight to ten episodes a year of Could You Survive the Movies, and then that's it. Are you in the
2: process of pitching the next slate of episodes? So
0: we did about a month or two ago i sent the deck of like what i saw for the season Uh um we're waiting to hear back still probably won't know anything until next year which is a bummer but we're just waiting two months away yeah i mean some of the ones i'll just give you a little tease yeah taste of some of the ones that i pitched were like blade runner i would love to do blade runner not only would it be visually amazing like imagine the score for that yeah dude yeah but uh also there's so many interesting topics that we can talk about um we can kind of talk about you know actually uploading one's consciousness to a being. I know that it's a little bit different there because it's artificial beings that do have consciousness. But I think talking about that, like the singularity, all these different ideas are really curious to me and really interesting to me. Cause one of my favorite topics is always what makes you, you like if you did. And again, this doesn't really happen in Blade Runner, but if you were able to like put your consciousness into a computer, is that computer human? Like, what is it that makes you a human being? If you lose all your arms and legs, you're still a person. Right. So at what right, point yeah. do you have to lose enough to no longer <clears throat> be human? And, like, what is it that makes us human? So I really want to explore that. It's a very philosophical topic. Yeah.
2: It is. It's psychological. It's philosophical.
0: <laughs> it's theological, even. Yeah. We got all the logicals. Wow. Um, so I want to do that. There's Back to the Future, which would be dope. Yes, that would be sweet. Alien, I really want to what? do. Indiana Jones, I really want to do. Uh, so there's some things in there that I would love to make. But I, so
1: you spent the last several years basically just making uh science short videos. Like, five minutes long, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less. Uh. And so it seems like you're kind of done with that stage of your career. Like you're kind of like over just making short videos and you want to make more of this long term content. So you're saying you want to make like eight episodes, eight half hour episodes a year and just do that for Mm -hmm. the next several years or longer.
0: That's that would be enjoyable for me. I mean, I think this is actually a thing that I I felt a lot when I started making YouTube videos is that I felt like they had to be short. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. be engaging or interesting or have enough information to make a 10 minute or 15 minute video well yeah and it was like
1: behind the whole mindset of youtube is you know short attention span you got to grab in the first 10 seconds and you can't have a video be longer than a few minutes otherwise they're gone they're never coming back what i've learned is
0: if you know as long as it's interesting and you can keep it interesting then it should be as long as it needs to be to tell the story you're trying to tell totally yeah you should never just shorten it artificially because like oh i think if it's three minutes it'll do better it's like no if it's a story that takes 10 minutes to say then say it in 10 minutes if it only takes three minutes, but you're stretching it to ten minutes, then maybe don't do that. So, like, like, <laughs> like the Hobbit, like the Hobbit. I actually just watched a really great fan edit, uh, like Maple Films fan edit, uh-huh. where it's all three Hobbit films condensed into four hours, and they cut out everything that wasn't in the books. It was great. Yeah, I've I've heard about that. Yeah, and it really that good.
1: that seems like such a better idea for the Hobbit films because that was my main complaint is that there it was just like. I, I didn't mind so much It being split into three films I, I minded that there was so much In each film That I just didn't care about mm-hmm. And just didn't feel necessary So hearing that like There's a fan edit That really just Trimmed out all the fat Even though sometimes I, I'm kind of iffy on fan edits Because You have an amateur coming in Just slicing apart A professional's yeah. Work And so like there's some I don't know Complications when it comes to like Doing that well, I here's guess what I but would say
0: about this one It if I didn't know it was a fan edit, I have no idea. Like, they have the music transition, like, the edits go so well that, like, you can't really tell hmm. at all that it was sliced together after the fact. So, the fa- yeah, so you're saying it, it's well done, which is yeah. great. And so, like, I did a... Sorry, we're changing topics now, but <laughs> last week I had a fun little week for myself, and I watched the Hobbit fan edit, the four-hour version, and then I followed it up with uh, Fellowship of the Ring, extended edition, Two Towers, extended edition, then Return of the King, extended edition. And that was really cool, because, like... In, in one go? not in one night okay. like across okay. uh, in a week. Okay, I but got But it it's so cool cuz you you know in the Hobbit like oh Bilbo gets the chainmail thing and he gets like his sword. And then we see that all in like the fellowship and stuff We're like like Bilbo's right. like oh take this chainmail that I got. And I'm like oh I remember when he got that. Like all <laughs> right. these
2: little things happening like okay, I get it. Um, do you want to tie some of that through some of your content like a little bit more of a narrative in in that sense or
0: I do I mean I've made like for some of my videos I've I've made semi sequels to them, where like I made one called "Could You Survive a Fallout," and then a year later I followed it up with um, "What If the World Ended," and in that in my own like universe, those movies happen after each other. Yeah. But I'm the same character, so like I started to be like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Like I haven't seen you since the bombs dropped." It's like, "Oh, that was the same character from there." Right. Okay, yeah. So I try and have them, and then I made a third movie in that little trilogy, which was called uh, "Are You a Parasite," which was kind of like my characters survived the apocalypse and now. We're in this like barren winter wasteland. So I try and do that where like there is a through line. But again, even with the Mad Max video, I try and make them where if you had never even seen the movie or don't really know the previous context, it still makes sense to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's why I wanted to bring that topic up first, because I think in a way you've kind of stumbled on an infinite format in a way, which is very good. Oh, Very thanks. good job. <laughs> good job. Thanks, guys. Um, it's really hard to do. Uh, not a lot of people know how to do it. But just with the ability to draw on things like what, are, what vampires and Blade Runner and uploading consciousness and ha- getting all that from one uh, world and then applying that to actually what we know about science, mm. I mean, you can kind of do that across anything. And that's, I think, what's fascinating about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what makes it really exciting to me. I never wanted to be one of those creators or filmmakers whatever we want to classify ourselves as that makes the same thing over and over again because at the end of the day it is kind of the same thing uh but it's expressed differently yeah and that's what's important to me and
2: you explore different topics within those things yeah the format is the same but it's you know you're exploring completely different topics
0: yeah the way i like to think about it is the beginning and the end are always the same. It always starts with Vsauce. I'm Jake, and then it always ends with and as always, thanks for watching. Everything in between those two points can be whatever I want, as long as it leads to that final area. Right,
1: and that's because that's kind of like the Vsauce format. Is that yeah? Are you holding to that because that's a Vsauce thing?
0: I I, I hold to it mainly because it allows me to focus better. Like I need some constraints to make something. Mm-hmm. If I have no constraints, I don't know what to make.
1: Dude, I hear you. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, like if somebody's <laughs> like, hey Jake, here's make whatever you want to be like, well, I don't know what to make. Yeah. So I need those things like, okay, it has to be science focused. Great. That's this pillar that I can stick to. It has to start and end with these like phrases. Great. That's a pillar that I can stick to. Um, so I need those things to help control my creativity and focus me into actually coming up with ideas.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. I think that's great. I'm going to transition now. Hard transition. New Topic. Tell me about beam. Oh, beam. It's beam time, man. beam Beam time. All I know here's all here's what I know. Yeah, give me the give me I'm, the gossip. I'm I'm the gossip guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on YouTube the other day and I was watching Jake Roper's <laughs> channel and I was watching Casey Neistat's channel and all of a sudden you guys were like, "Hey, we're doing Beam," and then <laughs> and then Beam went under. <laughs> so what what I don't know, and I think what people would like to know is uh, what happened. Mm. Why is it no longer? Why are you no longer involved? Why is you know? Well, to preface,
1: should we preface this a little bit? Like Beam, uh, for those of you who don't know, Beam was a company started by Casey Neistat after um, they were bought by
0: CNN. So
2: Beam was a. We don't even know. This is why we need to ask.
0: Yeah, let me let me go back in time. So Beam was an app created by Casey Neistat. That's it. That's it. And his partner on the project, Matt Hackett, who's like a, a brilliant uh, engineer and manager. Okay. Um, so they started beam as the social media app and the app was, I mean, I still have it on my phone. It doesn't work anymore, but the first app was kind of like Snapchat where you could record like five seconds of your life and then we just upload it. But what made it interesting is that you couldn't actually have the screen active. You couldn't look at it because like on Snapchat, you're not really living. You're like, okay, I got to get this framed, right? This was literally, yeah. you hold your phone up against your chest, the screen That's has to right. be blocked, yeah. and then it records, and you can't watch back what you just did. It automatically then uploads it. Hmm. And that was the premise of Beam. It's Be Me, right? Like, you're actually just showing what you're experiencing, and there's no editing, or you can't redo it. Once you film it, it's gone. It's done. Oh, okay. So that was the app they created. Yeah. Um, and then CNN bought the company. Not so much for the app. They ended up killing the app. But they bought it for like people like Casey, Matt, the tech team. Because CNN really wanted to get into YouTube and like focus on digital content and how to get a younger audience onto their platform.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's where they bought the company. And then after buying it, Casey called me because a little fun story. I've known Casey for like nine years. Yeah, I was about to ask, like, ha- like your guys'
1: relationship goes far back before Beam. And yeah. it's like, ha- he's like looking on YouTube, who should I hire to help <laughs> run this company? Like, oh, this guy looks cool. No, yeah, you guys had like, a previous relationship for yeah, quite, quite I've a long for time. for like
0: nine or 10 years, because I think when I was 21, I first started working for him. Like, I edited this uh, Dockers documentary for him that him and his friend Oscar, who's now like a wonderful movie producer, uh, were making. And they hired me to edit the thing. A so I was do- working- A
2: Dockers, like the pants? Yeah.
0: They did a, they give me like two seconds on that. <laughs> okay. so they, they, cause Casey, you know, he always would make these branded pieces that were, didn't have anything to do with the brand. Like his Nike ones, his most famous one where it's just like, they gave me a bunch of money and I spend it on traveling around the world with my friend Oscar. Right. Yeah. Um, or like his do what you can't campaign for Samsung. It's not about the phone. Right. It's about the idea of what the phone could be. And that's like how he does advertising, which I love. Right. So at Dockers, the documentary was called an emasculating truth. And it was about like what it means to be a man. Okay. Um, so, and like Dockers, no one's wearing Dockers. Like, I don't even know what their engagement was, but. Yeah. So we did that. <laughs> and that's like, so there's like a photo of me of little 20, 21 year old Jake on his Polaroid wall in his office. Like there's just like this little photo of me. I always look at it when I'm there and I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm terrible. A little um, baby Jake. Little baby Jake. So that's <laughs> why I first boy. met him. And we also did work at this television network called Plum TV together where he would make like these ad packages and stuff for him. And I was just a producer there. And okay. that was before he did his HBO show. That was before the HBO show. Yeah, so actually the guy, Tom Scott, who created, different than the YouTuber Tom Scott. Oh, I was about uh, to say, I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> Tom, this Tom Scott created Nantucket Nectars. Um, and when he sold that company, he then created Plum TV, which was this television network. Um, so you went from Juice to TV? Juice to TV. Damn. And so he kind of, like, found Casey. He also, they found a lot of interesting people, like Supermarche, like Henry Juiced, who did Catfish, Casey Neistat, myself. Like, we all started at Plum. Um, and then... Casey's TV show actually was helped by Tom Scott because he started then working with Casey and it was like oh let's like do movies and stuff so they did a movie called like Daddy Long Legs together that I think Casey like executive produced and Tom Scott executive produced and then they also did the HBO show that Casey had with his brother Van um, so yeah so I was like 21 just sitting in the Chinatown office like Van had one side at the time and Casey had the other side and I was just like edit so anyway huh. I know Casey for a long time um was always too. been friends and so yeah when this opportunity came up he called me he was like you're the only person i can think that can do this like we need to make <clears> a, <throat> a news network on youtube but he didn't even tell me that yet he was like i have this cool opportunity i want to talk to you about fly to new york I like sweet so i've like flew out a few days later met him and matt hackett and a guy from cnn where did it go from uh, uh
2: be me don't show you can't see the screen yeah to
0: news network so it was this multi- pronged idea where we saw beam as being beam news beam tech and then beam productions and beam tech would still be the same tech team and they'd be focusing on two products one was called beam panels which actually did launch and the whole idea which i i really did love because i i mean like most people you get sick of news and especially the way that news is presented it feels very disingenuous and it doesn't yeah i'm not it's not accessible to me right the the point of beam panels was that we would ask a question about something that was happening and then you the user would upload your own thing. So instead of a talking head show of like 10 different people that you don't know that don't represent you, it'd be you be like, here's what I think about this topic. And then people could respond to your topic and just be like a whole discussion that you're having through 32nd videos. That was the first product. The second one was called beam wire. That one never launched. Um, I don't even know if most people know it, it was ever in existence, but that was a really cool one too. We're seeing, well, the thing we liked about CNN was they had endless resources that we could capitalize on. One of the resources that they have live streams from every single like press conference, every single like embassy, everything we could sort those and like allow you to access every single live feed. So you would be the one who chooses what news you want to watch. Um, so that was the app we were creating for that. And it also had this really wonderful facial recognition, recognition algorithm. So if it was like someone important speaking, it would tell you be like, Oh, this person's speaking outside the Turkish embassy you click on it and be like, Oh, it's that person. It would give you a whole bio of them.
2: So instead of getting like you do when you normally turn on CNN, getting the feed that's local to you, Mm-hmm. You could get any feed that they're. Yeah. And also it's recording. not
0: curated by anyone. There there could be no bias because you were watching it with your own eyes, not through a filter of somebody else's. Right. And that was kind of the idea behind it is that you choose the news that you want to digest and you digest it exactly how you want. No one else is cutting it up for you and serving it to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you fly out to New York uh,
1: to talk to, to Casey and Matt, like how do they pitch this to you? Like what were they wanting to hire you
0: for? They weren't sure at the moment. They were like, we just want you to run either like be the creative director of beam or be the director of production. I kind of was both. So like I'd sit in with Casey and Matt on like, what's the branding going to look like? How do we actually show things? Like when we have text on screen, like what does that look like? So I was in charge of like all that kind of stuff. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and like, what is the look and feel of the show? The issue that we ran into is we didn't figure out the show yet. Like I think one of the best videos we made was when I first got there, I was there for like a week and then I had to fly back to LA because I hadn't gotten a place in New York yet. Casey and I just filmed a video about hacking because he had just gotten hacked. And so I was like, oh, I know about this cool device called the Pineapple, which allows you to basically spoof Wi-Fi networks. So you can create a Wi-Fi network and be like free Wi-Fi and then people connect to it and then we get everyone's access. So we went to a Starbucks. We got one of the engineers at Beam and we went to the Starbucks across the street and the engineer and I sat in a corner, created a fake network. And then Casey like went up to the counter, ordered a coffee and then like joined free Wi-Fi and we could see everything he did. He, like, logged into his Chase account, and we could see, like, his username and his password. Oh, whoa. Uh, We could see everything he was doing. And it's so easy. Just this $100 device we bought off the internet. And that's kind of what the impetus of this episode was. And we made it. We only half made it, because then I had to leave, and then Casey started his vlog again. Because I don't remember, but after the company got bought, he stopped vlogging. He was like, I'm done vlogging. He was just going to focus on Beam. Then he started vlogging again. We ended up not finishing that episode. Uh, And then... So the long story short, that's super interesting. <laughs> There's a
2: half made episode out there somewhere. Yeah. On my about the computer.
0: Um, it was really cool though. Like I, cause also this is back, like he had that hack. Then there was that huge uh, data breach. I think the Equifax thing like happened at the oh, same yeah. time. Yeah. So it was kind of about how not secure you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was kind of the whole conceit of the episode. Um, and that's kind of what we had envisioned the show would be like, it would be kind of like this investigative journalism, but still in the style that Casey and I have. Where it feels homemade, but also like high quality. So how would people, how would
2: the consumer access these multi-pronged parts of the network of Beam? What was the intent there?
0: So the intent was we'd have Beam News, which would be the front-facing YouTube channel. That would then feed to the apps. Like people would hopefully find the apps organically. Multiple apps. But also like one idea we tried doing, and we stopped by the end, but we would try and include Beam panels, participants in a topic. So we know we know that we're making a video about like electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Let's ask a question on panels about electric vehicles. And then we'd include those voices in the episode. Um, so that was trying to drive traffic from both things. Then we had beam productions, which was meant to be the thing that actually generated revenue. Uh, and that was like, OK, we have a great connection with Samsung. Let's make all of their commercials. We just have like Casey and Jake. Let's make documentaries. And that was the, the main thing that I was sold on because the news thing I was like, OK, this could be interesting. And I want to challenge myself, see if I can do it. But the whole point was Casey and I do news for three to six months. And then that thing runs itself. We don't have to touch it anymore. And then we focus on being productions where my whole goal, I remember like sitting with them and talking to them, What I really wanted to make, I was like, let's be the first YouTube channel to get nominated for an Academy Award. I was like, I want to make a a mini documentary that gets nominated for like best mini doc at the Academy Awards. How do we do that? Mm -hmm. And that was like one of my big pushes. And like, everyone was super excited about it. We never got there, but that's kind of what Casey and I had focused on. We were working on like a YouTube original show that'd be a documentary series about youtubers um but done in the style of like you know fog of war thin blue line where someone talking directly to camera and then we do these beautiful recreations that are cinematic to express what they're talking about right um but we didn't get to that point
1: huh. now anyone who's familiar with casey neistat or or beam knows that it eventually did get shut down uh what led to the eventual shutdown of the company like i know there are lots of different factors involved mm-hmm. uh, can you talk about
0: that? Give us the summary. Yeah, yeah. there was a few things that led to it. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, even though we did have, which I'm very grateful for, CNN did give us complete control over doing anything we wanted to. At the end of the day, they were our bosses and they had a different vision for it than what we did. You know, originally we were given a very long runway of three years to figure out what we wanted to do. And it takes time. Like, I think creating something new, like you have people like Philip DeFranco who make incredible news content on YouTube yeah. and we wanted to create something different and new and exciting. That wasn't like Phil, that wasn't like vice. And that takes time. Yeah. Um, and we finally, I think found our footing about a month or two before they shut us down. But the reason that led to it, there was a few factors. One was that they were planning on this merger between time Warner and AT&T. The merger got killed and the department of justice killed it. They weren't able to do it. So they had factored all of their budgets and all of their things for that since they didn't have that happen. They then had to lay off a lot of people and like adjust their budgets So that then lowered our budget to such a degree that it didn't really make sense to keep it separate from CNN anymore. So they're like, we're going to roll it up into CNN. Casey at this point kind of wanted to do stuff, other things. And he like, he didn't like having to work with a bunch of people. Like he's a very independent person, which I think he's a lone wolf, which most creators are. I mean, the reason that we do our stuff is because like I can edit it. I can shoot it myself. I can write it
2: myself. Right. It makes it personal. Um,
0: And I think, and I understood his frustration with working with a bunch of people. It can be frustrating because, again, we were trying to figure out what the show was going to be, and in that period, we didn't know how to run a news business, so we leaned on CNN, and so was like, you have to hire, like, these eight people that do these eight jobs. Like, okay, but then we had them, and we didn't know what to do with them. It was like, well, we're still trying to figure out what the show is, but now we have all these people that need to do stuff. So I think there was just a lot of pressure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main issue was just the merger didn't happen, and when that didn't have like, when I all went down, Casey was like, I'll just do my vlog and work on other projects. Matt Hackett was like, I'll just do other stuff, too, I don't care. Uh, and I had another job here. So I was like, that's fine. I don't feel like working for CNN proper. I'll just,
2: so where did you, where, where along the line did you become this, uh, two state citizen where, where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like living in New York and you're living in Los Angeles. And I mean, where are you from?
0: Uh, so originally I was born in Washington, DC, oh. uh, grew up for the first eight years of my life in Virginia and then moved to Colorado and grew up in Colorado from like eight to 18. Where, where in Colorado? evergreen colorado it's a wonderful mountain town i would highly recommend going wow. uh is
2: it near denver or is it It's like
0: 30 miles outside of denver okay it's in like the foothills yeah uh but it was really cool i loved growing up there and then i lived in new york for about 11 years and then moved to la and then lived in la for a year and then moved half to new york and half to la for a year and then back in la full-time
2: because i i'd only met you once when you were living in New York, yeah, and that was when we did the superheroes versus game. Yeah, Heroes when I was video. Ash, I yeah, that, dude. That, that was our first collab. That, wasn't that
0: your first directing one that
2: too? Was yeah. that yeah, was the I very first that. video I, I, love I that worked video. on it's so good the corridor? Yeah. yeah, thank you. That video did well. It did do well. Yes, dude, yeah, you, got, you got
1: you got your face beaten up. By yeah, Captain America. I got murdered.
0: <laughs> I got murdered <laughs> by Captain brutally America, brutally beaten. beaten to death. Because I do die. Because I'm like, I say a line or something, and then like, like my hand opens as the master ball comes out. Gotta catch him. Yeah, I oh, catch him yeah, yeah and I just yeah. die, and then my master ball opens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I, but yeah. I think, and actually this is a fun fact, a little IMDB trivia for you at home. The only reason I was cast in that video is because I already owned most of the outfit. I think
1: that is only <laughs> half true. That is like that is like who do I know that has an like, ash catch? The only outfit? reason
0: we cast you in
2: that was because you had ash catch him. The only reason you're the first <laughs> guest on the podcast is because you're across the street. <laughs> it, it all makes sense. Yeah, I know really. how you guys operate. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: it's fine. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and then and then you came down to this street and you got your office here in
0: 2016. Yeah, 2016, because that's yeah. when Vsauce became independent from Google.
1: Yeah, so can you talk about that real quick? Because I don't think most people realize all Vsauce channels were Google-owned I mm-hmm. for didn't the know longest that. time. I had no, no. idea. Like, y- you guys weren't making ad revenue from your videos. You guys Mm-mm. had
0: salaries You had that goo money. You yeah, had I mean, that sweet, sweet and Google that money. That sweet, money. um money. Yeah, so basically, YouTube acquired a company, or Google acquired a company in 2011 called Next New Networks. And Next New Networks was an MCN. Um, I don't know why... Google chose that MCN to buy, but they bought them, and that's basically right after the acquisition is when I came on board, because uh, now they had this department that could like make content and also work creators and understood what creators' thought. The reason they acquired it was mainly to learn, like they had creators, and Just they didn't have look to look like, at
2: you guys and like from a from a balcony and mm-hmm. watch you and make. Like, what videos are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: that's the thing. Like we would work. Like part of my job was working with product uh, and like UX and all these different departments. And telling them how I use the platform as a creator. Okay. And then also they could do experiments with us since our channels didn't have to make money since we were just employees there. Right. They'd, I remember like when, um, gosh, before it was end cards, what was the thing? You annotations? Could make those bubbles? Annotations. Like we tested yeah. those out. We tested all these different features. Like we'd really go heavily in playlists, which is why leanbacks were a thing that Michael created. Yeah. Because um, it didn't matter if our videos failed or not. We just were experimenting. Mm-hmm. So we were we were literally called lab channels. Because we were just a lab. We would be experimenting with different parts of the platform that maybe never even saw the light of day, but we'd play with them and see how they worked. Um, but then it became a success. And you then guys, it became a success. your channel started doing really well. So as Vsauce started getting bigger and bigger, we started doing less and less actual work. So like my job, because when I first started working there, I was doing Space Lab. I was also managing the YouTube New York space, like booking people, like helping them set up their gear, all that really? stuff. And then I was also helping Michael with Vsauce, like editing dogs and stuff. And then, as editing I started, wait, <laughs> dongs.
1: Explain what a dong is, real quick. So a
0: dong is something you can do online now, guys. It's a dong. Uh, we have a whole channel, YouTube.com/slash dong. that start dong. as like just a,
1: a joke that Michael had from Vsauce one? He was just like, funny. I'm so just going to make this act. Yeah. you're just in
2: a back room in New York City somewhere <laughs> ed- editing dongs. Yeah, just editing dongs, looking at dongs all day. And this and uh, that has since
1: become like its own fully fledged channel, like the Dong Channel. Yeah, uh, which is really wow. cool because you, you watch it, it's a few minutes long and has. Has all these different like uh, things you can go do online now, guys. guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. Back to uh, so yeah. So you guys were working. At we Google. were all
0: there. Michael then transferred to the London office. I think in 2013, 12, 2012, maybe two thousand twelve. Yeah, maybe two thousand twelve. And in two thousand twelve, he transferred to there. Kevin moved to LA to work out of the LA YouTube space, and I was just in New York by myself. Um, and the channels kept growing, and growing. So we just started doing Vsauce because that was very valuable YouTube. Because they had these successful channels that they owned, so we could really do more insights. So, like, a big part of my job turned into being going to like, it was really cool. I got to travel the world, which I'm very grateful for. But I go to like Zurich and I talk to the engineers there and express to them, like, how I use the platform. They're like, well, how do you use the platform? Like, just discussing what works best for creators. And we were kind of just like inside advocates for creators, which I really
2: liked. Do you feel that YouTube derived a lot of value from having you guys? Or I think they got a lot of great insight because they they still. I mean, I I think this is a factor of the platform being so large, but they they still don't quite understand it. So I'm gonna
0: uh, I'm gonna say that's entirely because we no longer work there.
2: That's <laughs> the reason why it's terrible now. Um, do they still have like labs of any no. kind where there's people doing that? What stuff, they or? do now
0: is they'll have like these lab channels, but they're more like six month long internship kind of things, hmm. where they'll give the like choose different creators in different markets, and they'll give them access to the youtube space to like the strategist audience development and they give them like a budget to make content
1: okay and oh, so that they... was kind of like the youtube next up program yeah
0: so they basically expanded the youtube next up program that you were yeah. in yeah i was i was into... in the second
1: iteration of yeah. it yeah the was it really cool
0: second year and now they've made it bigger where instead of it being like a week-long thing it's a six-month-long thing hmm. um so that's what they do instead of having house channels and one of the issues that we ran into which is why we kind of wanted independence from them i mean i loved working at google and i i, I really did feel like we were doing good by being there and my favorite part is that they literally had no say in our content ever. Hmm. Like they didn't even know we made a video until it was public. Hey, saw you made a video today. <laughs> Don't know why you had to tarnish Google in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause they're like, we're science. We're not going to like yeah. say terrible things. Low risk. It, yeah. 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 So that was really great. And they gave us so much freedom. The issue that we ran into though was part of our job was to be able to speak to creators and speak to brands about what it's like being a creator and we didn't get the full experience because we couldn't do brand deals because we are going to do a brand deal with Google. Right. Like yeah. for audible, like, no, get yeah. away. Yeah. Um, so we couldn't do that. We couldn't do, we really wanted to make I had this idea for the, what is now the curiosity box. <clears throat> I couldn't do that. We couldn't like write books. We couldn't do live shows or,
1: or like, I guess, uh, merchandise. Like you couldn't sell we couldn't merchandise. We
0: also couldn't do YouTube originals or YouTube red shows because right. that'd be favoritism. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. couldn't do any of these things that we felt as creators we should be able to do. And again, it would give us the actual confidence and knowledge to talk to creators if we could do them.
1: So you felt a little constrained, uh, because we just, of the connection.
0: You no, know, I think that the issue was,
2: it's like you're living under Papa's again, house. Yeah. So I you don't want to make it on your own. I
0: don't want to disparage Google because it yeah. was a lovely place to work. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities that they gave us at Vsauce, but it felt like we wouldn't be able to grow the business the way we wanted to with them. Cause they don't care about books. They don't care about TV shows. Like, They care about you making content on youtube but that's not what youtube is anymore youtube is a part of the business not your only business yeah so we felt like to grow we needed to leave and they agreed so they gave us full ownership of the channels beginning in 2016 and that is what i find cool
1: uh they just straight up gave you the channel they didn't sell it to you they didn't like work out some sort of contract they're just like all right it's yours now right yeah and so suddenly you You didn't have to buy it Mm -mm. wow because i know they did that with a couple other channels like indie mogul yeah uh Uh, we're friends with those guys, too, and they got their channel back, which is really cool. So, yeah, so now, fresh little (laughs) babies straight out of graduating high school, fresh out of the house, and you're like, all right, a whole new world, time to make some content for ourselves and to also survive on your own.
0: Yeah, which was very important to us. Like, it's scary. Having Google there as a safety net was, like, very nice. Yeah. Because, again, it didn't matter if the videos performed well or not. They always took it as a learning experience. So, how's it gone? It's gone really well, I think. I mean... The issue is we were very, it's one of the reasons why we were able to make content so infrequently and we could really focus on quality rather than quantity. Mm-hmm. Now we're, we're struggling with what that looks like. But again, that's one of the reasons why we created things like the curiosity box where that is what helps pay for us to make content. That
2: was a really good idea. And well, all the you. stuff that I've seen from it has been really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, So good work on that. That's... I feel like half my wardrobe is from the Curiosity Box. <laughs> it's not
1: easy so many of the shirts that I wear on our our quarter crew channel are like straight up from that box. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so the Curiosity Box. Let's talk about that for yeah. a second. Um, do you have tiers, or is it one price, one thing? How? Yeah, there's often? only one
0: product. Just the just box. the box that you buy. And it's buy. a quarterly. It's box. a quarterly box. There's no way to buy like we don't have like a Teespring or whatever it's called site. Like there's no Vsauce merchandise mm-hmm. besides the Curiosity Box and the whole reason for that box being is like, i because i remember i was talking to loot crate at vidcon like four or five years ago yeah and they're like hey we want to do like a brand where you unbox loot crate boxes on uh, your channel and i just kind of joking but i was like what if i make my own box and unbox it on my channel and they were like oh we've never done that before let's talk about it more so i just met with them and talked to them. i was like i want to do a v sauce box uh filled with science stuff and like michael and kevin were into the idea so we did the first box with them, and it was a holiday box in like 2015, mm-hmm. end of 2015? No. Yes. No. 2014. One of holiday boxes. And then we did it, then I didn't particularly like working with them, so we found another company and worked with them for our holiday box 2015. And they were great, because they really cared about the quality, which is what we cared about. Create mm-hmm. was more focused on, let's just make a bunch of money and sell a mediocre product. Yeah. That didn't fly for us. Yeah. yeah. So we worked with them, it was great, and from that we learned how we could make this into something that we could actually do quarterly. Cause we do spend a lot of time with it. Like every product in there is designed by us, manufactured by us besides things like the steam game and the book. Those are the two you things. manufacture all those products. Yeah. Holy shit. So we find, unfortunately it's Sorry, not, it's not all American made, but we, we manufacture yeah. them in Asia. Um, and then we package them all That's here. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So we That's like, we actually just finalized the design for, uh, luckily this isn't a spoiler cause this box will be shipping by the time this video comes out, but we have this really beautiful Mandelbrot poster. That uh, Michael designed, so it's I, it's really cool. Mandelbrot, you know, like the Mandelbrot set. No. Um. So it's this. I mean, maybe I do, but it's like a fractal. Uh. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. You have to see the poster.
1: Okay.
0: I I can show you on my phone after. It looks amazing. But like that's one of the products in the box that Michael designed, and it looks incredible. And the whole point of the box is to give you that Vsauce experience at home, so you can actually touch it. So instead of a do online now, guys, it's a instead of a dong do offline now. It's a dong. To do (laughs) offline now, guys.
1: Um, It's a dongle.
0: It's a dongle instead of a dog.
1: (laughs) No, like uh, one of the first boxes, because I I bought like a whole year's subscription of the boxes, and we we opened one of the boxes on our our channel last year, the year before. and it was like, it was like the, so what, we
2: unboxed your box on our channel, <laughs> well,
1: it, wasn't, it wasn't quite an unboxing, uh, but it was more so just being like, Hey, check out these cool things. I have, uh, it was like the, the gyroscope, gyroscope yeah. and what was the, 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 blue liquid thing where it'd go through the pipe. I can't think of the name of it.
0: Oh, we called it the vapor liquid. We still have, have on demonstrator.
1: On the demonstrator. Yeah, the that's in, it on the,
2: uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, on the, display the, over the, there, on the, there on the, our, yeah, on the shelf, shelf. shelf when you walk in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that one's cool because it's just, like you hold the bulb and the heat from your hand increases the pressure in the
0: thing, and that forces the liquid to go up through the pipe. Yep, and yeah. it starts bubbling at the top. Yeah. So the idea was, and again, it like it is expensive. It's fifty dollars a quarter, but we didn't want to make something cheap. Right. Everything is like premium quality, premium stuff, and that's the same reason we don't sell like a T-shirt on its own. I mean, now we have like a Curious Box store where you can buy older products from their a la carte. Yeah. But the reason we don't make like a Vsauce shirt because it's a shirt. Like I know I feel bad because you guys are wearing quarter stuff, but like to me. It, Oh, it happens. that <laughs> it, I want people to like have something that they can share with others. And that also isn't another reason the box is called the curiosity box mm-hmm. and not the Vsauce box is because the hope is that people I'll walk down the street and I'll see someone wearing one of the shirts from it. And they have no idea who I am or what Vsauce is. They just really like the curiosity box. Right. Cause it's, I think when you create content on YouTube or any business here and you see this in traditional talent, like, okay, yeah, they're an actor or an actress, but they also have a makeup line or they also sell like other stuff. They do other things and it's not called like, Jessica Alba's makeup, it's some different name. Right. right. And that was kind of the intention with it is let's create a product that can exist outside of ourselves. So if our channels do go away because we don't control the algorithm on YouTube, who knows? Yeah. We still have something that exists that we can still live off of that is still a great experience for the consumer. Yeah. Right?
2: That's that's something we've gone over often. And fortunately, we've been able to keep things like relatively within inside the corridor brand. But at the same time... There's a lot of other ideas that we've come across where um I mean most of the time we haven't pursued them because it's just been a time factor. Mm-hmm. But I think that is really smart in the sense of what you're saying, where you're you're creating something that can live on its own. Um and and, and like YouTube shut down the other day. It's yeah, a, it's a very real thing. Like it it could just go away. Now it's a huge company backed by a huge <laughs> company. Backed by a huge <laughs> company. But, um, you know, that said, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be diversified in, in any creative. Well, that's
0: exactly it. You have to diversify your business. Like you, the old adage, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Is especially true when you don't control the basket. Yeah. Like we don't control YouTube. We have no idea how the algorithm works or like what the next apocalypse is going to be and who it's going to affect. So to me, it's really important that because we never want to get in a place, at least on Vsauce, where we have to make content to make money. Yeah. We make content because we love making videos. And I want to keep that going. Yeah. So things like the box can exist to do that. And the same reason we don't and I feel bad because I know you guys are Patreon, same reason we don't do Patreon or things like that, is yeah. I don't ever want to ask some from someone for money unless I can give them something in return. Right. So for me it's I want to give you the best science box you're ever going to get. It's fifty bucks, I know it's a lot, but it's the best experience you're ever going to get. It's Instead of being like, hey, give me like a dollar experience. and I'll give you nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that works. <laughs> and also the main reason I don't do Patreon and this i don't know sorry Go, I don't, you I feel just that. rip it up dude come on I it, keep, it keep like judging us I, I, I am a patreon supporter of you guys like i subscribe i think the three dollar a month tier or something cool thank um, you. i get the hd downloads the 4k downloads nice but i don't want to do it because i also don't want to feel beholden to anyone because sometimes like mm-hmm. i'll be working a video it doesn't work out so i don't make a video that month mm-hmm. And i don't want people to feel like they're paying me and i'm not delivering like i'm just taking their money right yeah i never want to feel like i have that kind of commitment to a person sure that's like a stranger on the internet and mm-hmm. i don't want that responsibility yeah um so that's my main that's our main reason that beats for not doing that kind of stuff and instead we know we can deliver a product every quarter so to t- you two questions has the box
2: been um fundamental in allowing you to have cr- that creative freedom financially yes uh second question um do you think you because this this goes back into your could you survive the movies show? YouTube Originals and YouTube Premium, two separate products. Not everyone knows that. Right. Now, what you were saying earlier about products existing on their own, do you feel that when YouTube did YouTube Premium or YouTube TV or YouTube Originals, they should have branded those differently to separate them in the mind of the consumer?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, they did a very big disservice. When it was originally came out, it was YouTube Red. There was just so many products within that that it's hard to to spotlight all of them. It's like, oh, I pay for YouTube Red, which at the time was like $9.99 a month. I get Google Play Music for free. I get ad-free YouTube. I can offline videos. I can do background audio on videos. And also I get access to these YouTube Red shows. Right. It's like, okay, but what if I don't want all those things? Or like, what is YouTube Red? Like YouTube Premium, oh, is that just a higher tier of YouTube? Like, what does that allow me to access? Can I upload larger videos like Vimeo Plus or something like that? It's very complicated, and they've done a very terrible job of explaining what each product actually is and how it works.
2: And then the most important thing, I think, about that is what you were telling me the other day, um, which is, A, they didn't explain the product, but also the premium, the money that comes from YouTube Premium does the most to support the channels you actually watch. Right, yeah. And so it's not just this blanket of ad revenue that's being like, washed across the algorithm and hope you get some yeah the youtube premium money actually goes to the channels that you're watching
0: and that's actually a thing that was very frustrating to me and i remember talking to youtube about this during the apocalypse. i was like why aren't you guys promoting more that youtube red at the time or we'll just call it premium youtube premium actually that money goes to creators because that's the thing like the thing that always sucks about now youtube but traditional media is that advertisers have the say if advertisers aren't going to pay to advertise on your show, then you don't have a show anymore. Right. And if advertisers aren't going to do the same thing, like don't want to be on your content on YouTube, then you don't have content anymore because you need that money to survive. But what YouTube Premium allowed users to do is take that power out of the hands of advertisers and put it back into the hands of users, which is the same thing. That's why HBO exists and Netflix exists. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it's yeah. by the fact that you pay for it. Right. And now you get to watch what you want because you're the one paying for it. And that's what YouTube Premium does. I watch quarter Digital. Great they get some of my $10 a month subscription goes to them. Right. So now I'm actually paying for these channels by watching them. And that to me made so much sense and was such a missed opportunity for YouTube to really, but again, they didn't want to promote it because they make the majority of their money from, from advertisers. Ads. Yeah. They don't want to piss off their mm-hmm. advertisers. They want these both products to exist together where I think premium,
2: they should have just Is the best it. product. Yeah.
0: Like it's such a great ad for YouTube is the best experience in the world. The fact that I know that I'm supporting my creators that I like is great. Offlining videos is wonderful. And the premium yeah, shows are I've, above. I've had
1: YouTube Red since almost since it began, and it's like my favorite thing. Because, well, first off, like the thing that affects me most directly are the ads. I don't really like seeing ads. Who does, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't want to use Ad Block and not support my uh, my favorite creators at the same time. Um, so, like, most of my YouTube viewing is on my TV, and so I don't like sitting through ads. And there's no way to install Adblock, Block even if I wanted to on my TV. But YouTube Red was the easiest way to get rid of those ads. Yeah. And it's just, I've not been able to go back.
0: Well, wouldn't it be great if just a fraction of the people who use YouTube out of like the billions of monthly users that they have, <laughs> right. If like a hundred million people signed up for YouTube red or YouTube premium at like what's well, now $12 a month. Which would be
2: 10% of their total user. Like then they wouldn't have base. to rely
0: on advertisers anymore. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have to be ad supported. Right. And I, I, that's the dream in my life is like when YouTube is just supported by, instead of like. Dividing everything up because now they have, like, YouTube members or whatever where you can, like, support for $5 a month an individual creator. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that?
2: They do I it on, live, so, yeah. on YouTube Live now, too.
0: Yeah, you have, like, Super Chat. Yeah. So you can pay money, but there's YouTube members, which is basically Twitch's version. It's Twitch Subscribe, but on YouTube where I can pay $4.99 a month directly right. to this channel. So we okay, have yeah. that, but then there's also Patreon. Then there's also YouTube Premium. I always thought that YouTube really messed up by not buying Patreon Uh, To be honest, and just turning that system into the YouTube membership thing that they have now, it's just so divided. And I think that's a fear that we're going to run into is where people are supporting channels via Patreon or these memberships. And they're not going to have enough money now to like support other channels. Right. That's like they should bundle them. Yeah. Actually, that's
2: a a, a point where we're getting to now is uh, there are more and more pay subscription models disney's working on a huge mm-hmm. one that's going to come out next year the year after that's going to take all their stuff off every platform um
0: yeah and i already
1: have so many subscriptions yeah there's, my dog has a subscription
0: bark box do bark you have box. a bark box i have a bark, yeah, well, I
1: get it's, it's box. turning back into <laughs> traditional cable
2: now it, it's yeah it's becoming just as expensive yeah um and uh that's i don't know what's going to happen at that point um but people will reach a a point where they just you, i mean everyone does this i i already reached this point i i i started cutting subscriptions yeah so i was like ah, eh, these, well, these are this... kind of expensive and i'm not really using them yeah
0: it yeah. actually reminds me that I'm probably saying, not gonna on a side, side
2: having note this is not an endorsement for BarkBox. <laughs> no it's not i'm, I'm ending my <laughs> subscription
1: for the record <laughs> is
0: uh what was it subscriptions oh the saturation point that i feel is going to happen on youtube we're not only are you going to see with subscriptions but because we both do these things where it's like Audible or Skillshare or, you know, uh, Squarespace. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to hit a point where no one wants to sign up anymore. They've already signed up if they wanted to sign up. And, I, and that's a fear that I have, actually. I, oh, yeah, that's I'm going to talk idea. about advertising for a second. Do Let's it. do it. I really dislike performance-based advertising. And what I mean by that, for those at home, um, is where you, the value of the ad that you're promoting is paid by how many people turn into subscribers of that product. Oh, so it'll be like oh we're doing an audible.com go to audible.com slash what's your ROI 3. what's your click
2: through what's your CTR like that
0: kind of stuff I hate because then they'll be like what's okay, well, we only got a thousand subscriptions for this we were hoping for like five thousand so if you want to do it again with us that's fine but we're going to pay you infinitely less right. yeah and no, it's like, I got like no the way that I do advertising in my videos is that you're paying for ad space it's like a billboard on the side of the road yeah I get it like my favorite example is always with Ford they spend like three billion dollars a year advertising their cars and guess what <sighs> like two percent or five percent of people a year buy a new car but what the, the point of why they spend so much money is because they want you to think forward when you think about a new car yeah it's a, right. it's about keeping it in the mindset of people so this awareness. performance-based advertising to me is never going to work because you like let's say you make an audible video twice a month or like once a month you're doing audible Everyone who's watched your content knows about audible now they either signed up or they didn't because they don't care
1: yeah so that yeah.
0: performance number is always going to go down and you have to get a new brand and this is going to keep going down it's never going to be this flat line of like, oh, we're good. We're fine. Because everyone now pays for performance based advertising instead of just like brand awareness well, like, marketing. Like,
1: for instance, uh, with the audible spots that we do, I like to do those because it's just for me a really cool opportunity to talk about a book that I recently mm-hmm. read or, or really liked or listened to. <laughs> but um, and I remember seeing some comments being like, you know what, Ren? I finally got audible because you finally convinced me I should do it. And It had nothing to do with the book that I was uh, recommending, I mean, maybe it did, but it was mostly just like, I talked about it enough times, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I think they, I don't even know if they used our, our URL to do it. Mm-hmm. They just, I had talked about it enough times with enough enthusiasm that they're finally like, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. Right, um, yeah. that's,
2: that's what actually that person found to be interesting about it.
1: And that, that wouldn't have been reflected in uh, the ROI, I guess, no, uh, then, of that particular yeah. spot. It would Because the only reason why that matters is because of all the other times I had
0: talked about it. Well, that's the thing that they can't track when it comes to this like performance-based thing. Is Maybe I make a video and I'm like, oh, go get a website at squarespace.com. And maybe they do it the next day. But since they didn't click the link in my description, I don't get credit for that person yeah, who signed exactly. up for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, to me, is very frustrating. And also, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know, it's weird because, like, we're promoting these products, but we don't own a percentage of Squarespace or of Audible. Like we have no ownership in it. Yet they're being like, "Be our brand spokesperson. You sell the product for us, and we're going to continually making money off it because these are all subscription based services. But you get a one time fee for selling your audience."
2: So is the best is the best form of advertisement one then that uh, is more what you were talking about earlier, like with. Which is similar to our philosophy, but Casey's philosophy, which is the brand is the hero and they make something possible, Mm -hmm. but they don't
0: get in the way. Yeah, like they are the reason this exists. And that to me is the best. It's goodwill. I mean, I did that with Lowe's for my Home Alone video. Right at the beginning, it says like Vsauce 3 and Lowe's present. And then we have a behind the scenes on their channel, but they're not in the video elsewhere. It's because of them that we got to make this really great experience. And I think viewers that care about your content and care about you then feel appreciative to like the brand because they let this happen. Right. And yeah. now they're, yeah, they are the hero. They're like, Oh, you're a good guy. You made, you let Jake make this dream project.
2: Yeah. It's not like come over to my side and make yeah, what so I like, want you to make.
0: So uh blue apron is really great. Everyone goes sign up to blue apron. You got to do it right now. It's 20% off. You use blue apron.com slash Vsauce three. Now let me tell you about my video. It's like no, because I'm going to stop listening because I just had to listen to an ad, so I don't care what you have to say anymore. It's like, interesting, you, guys... you
2: bring that up on a podcast because that is like the <laughs> quintessential form of advertisement. It is, on but podcast I
0: think makes sense. Podcasts are a little bit different. YouTube videos don't feel the same yet. Like, and it's so weird to me because you watch television, you'll get served with three minute ad breaks every like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But on YouTube, if you get anything over like a fifteen or thirty second ad, you're like, whoa, yeah, oh, every, whoa! Every no, hour of
2: television you watch, what like twenty minutes? Yeah, it's twenty sorry it's let me do the math here 16 16 minutes minutes. yeah sixteen
0: minutes so you have this whole thing though where it's it's this weird division that i don't really understand where you know i think
2: that's just has to do with the fact that like youtube is so new that people haven't figured out marketing exactly no i think the issue is that
0: youtube i mean youtube is new relative to tv the issue is that advertisers aren't spending enough money on youtube yet in terms of like that cpm that we get those like Views that we get when people watch an ad before a video aren't high enough. And I think that will change over time where we don't have to rely on doing brand deals. My dream, that's one of the, again, the reason we have the curiosity box is so we hopefully when it gets big enough never have to do a brand deal ever again. Unless it's something cool. Like I get to do brand deals where it's like, oh, we're going to give you Paul Rudd. I'm like, dope. I'll do that yeah, one. Dude, yeah, dude. I remember that. Like, video. Unless that it cool. helps the video be better, great. But if it's just me at the end being like, oh, go sign up for this, I'd rather not do it. But sometimes you have to because you just have a business that you have to run. You have to make yeah, money to do it. Right. But I think that YouTube advertising needs to get to the point where it mirrors TV advertising, where you're doing Better Call Saul. Okay, great. I got to pay $100,000 to run my Home Depot ad during the ad break there. For mind share. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they need that stuff for us, though, where it's like, instead of uh, $2 per ad click, it's like, no, 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 it's $20. You got a million views on it, and out of those million, let's say 100,000 were monetized at $20 per CPM. Right. Cool. I can now make a living off this and not have to worry about anything else. Mm -hmm. And, but it it puts you in this weird place on YouTube where you do need to create other ways of making money, be it brand deals or making t-shirts and selling stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's and it's frustrating that. Yeah, it is. That's, that's been something that we've struggled with as well. Like that's why I brought up the curiosity box. I wanted to talk about that because uh, that's constantly something we're, we're striving to do is how can we, how can we come become independent Mm -hmm. completely from ads a hundred percent it's it's a long road but
0: i well, think for you guys we'll get too your, your focus is always on quality content yeah. which is one of the things i really respect about the videos that you make and you know I, I said this guys to you yesterday but like you know i would watch your videos before i started making the videos that i do now i would like watch your guys content and be like oh i want to make something that looks that good like remember one of my favorites is actually the portal video that you did I believe the, uh, portal, portal trick shots? the portal trick shots. Did you direct that one?
1: I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> like that one, I remember just being like, "This is so incredible! Like, it's so smart. It was so clever." I was like, "I want to make something that good, like that clever." And so I get inspiration from you guys just kicking butt. But sorry, back to the original topic. Before I started just dropping, I mean, you can keep complimenting <laughs> us. That's that's I'm okay um, with that. <laughs> but it, so it is this quality focus <clears throat> over this quantity focus. Yeah. Is that rewarded on YouTube? I don't think so. It's but I, I don't think so. What if? you know, we had these ancillary ways of making money so you could just focus on quality. And that's what we're trying to build at Vsauce right. is let's create these other avenues, be it the Curiosity Box, maybe it's like Vsauce Productions down the line, these other things that allow us to make the best quality content on YouTube without having to sacrifice that to be like, well, we just need to keep making videos because we need money. Right. No, I just want to make things that I want to make. I'm very arrogant about it, but I'm fine with that because I make these things because I want to make them and I'm really happy that people enjoy them. But at the end of the day, that we make things because we're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. it's not like doing youtube isn't an easy job even the people who or it looks easy like you know you can look at like a jake paul will say but like i will say i might not that's not easy i might not like the content that he creates might not be for me but this man has an empire like a business that he had to build himself yeah and it's like difficult to do even the like pewdiepie's of the world is like oh they just like live stream and make video no they, they're running a whole entire business yeah and they happen to also be the business mm-hmm. like it's difficult
1: yeah um I think people really, uh, I guess, underscore or underappreciate how much work and talent is involved with seemingly untalentless. Talentless. Talentless. talentless talentless (laughs) (laughs) Untalentless. (laughs) Untalentless. I mean, I mean, like. You swine,
0: where's my wine craft, am Ren.
1: Yes. uh, But yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of people don't really appreciate how much work and talent someone like PewDiePie has. or like is required to run a channel like what PewDiePie
0: does well it's easy to dismiss any of that stuff which is why i again (laughs) if the content isn't for me that's fine but i still think that these folks that are successful on youtube obviously are very smart when it comes to how they operate their business or they wouldn't be successful
2: when you first came on the corridor crew channel ren Ren had mentioned this earlier but something was going on in your life at that point some something pretty serious um (laughs) You would cancer. Yes, uh, so, I did. Um, yeah, I, w- I want to hear about this. I have some questions that I'd like to <laughs> yeah, ask t- you about it. A, okay, it makes me
0: something like you don't believe it. What? You're like, I got some questions Dude, about I, this I cancer I you I don't, don't know about this. <laughs> what,
2: what, what kind of cancer was
0: it? Uh, so it was a sarcoma, which is a soft tissue cancer, and it's very rare. I guess there's only like 2,000 uh, cases a year or so Okay, in the entire world. Yeah, so like 7 billion people in the entire 2, world.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's a cure for it?
0: No, there's no cure for cancer. Oh, uh, sorry.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah. No, there's like treatment. Cure. There's treatments. Yeah.
0: There's no cure. Uh, so basically, it was very inopportune timing. I mean, it never is opportune, I guess. Like, yeah. boy, I wish I had cancer today. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I had just moved to LA. Like, I moved here October 2015, and then in November of 2015, I got diagnosed with it. Because I had this lump on my shin. And you know, I assumed it was just a bump. Like, ah, I hit something. Yeah. And it kept getting bigger. So I finally went to a doctor. The first doctor said... That's ah, it's probably just like a cyst or something benign. It's not a big deal. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I went to another doctor. Said the same thing, but he was like, you know what? We'll just remove it and we'll test it and see what it is. Right. I was like, oh, cool. Let's do that. So I had a minor operation. They cut it open. And I even like Instagrammed a photo of the tumor. I, I yeah, was, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, whatever. And then a week later I get a call and it's like, hey, uh, so we got the results back and you have cancer. It's sarcoma, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, dang. Okay. So I went to um, Cedar sinai here in Los Angeles. Because they had a a dude who was well-versed in uh, sarcomas. And they kind of went through it with me. And and basically, they gave me two options. There was the optimal idea in their minds that would make it so I wouldn't get it again, which was to cut off my leg. And I was like, "Mm, what's the the second option? What's behind door number two? Okay. Door number two was that – because the issue was was on my shin. So when you do have uh, cancer and they need to cut it out, if they can cut it out, they need a uh, wide area. Yeah. To be able to remove it. Because just one cell is all it takes for it to propagate again and spread. Yeah. Right. So they couldn't get very deep because it was right on my shin bones. So that's why they're like, well, let's just cut off your leg and we'll know that we got it. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's just not do that one yet. So they, I went in for an operation in December and I was in the hospital for a week. And they basically just cut open my leg. I have photos of it. It's gross. They like, took out this wide area of my leg and the hole was so big that they had to fill it with something. So they went in and they cut open the side of my leg and took the bottom part of my calf muscle and flipped that over and put that on the top to fill the hole. And then they took a skin graft from my hip and put that on top of it there. Wow. Um, and it was very difficult. I was in the hospital for a week, which isn't too long, but I couldn't a move. week nonstop.
1: Like you're in yeah, the bed I was, in a, that I was time. in a bed
0: for a week. I couldn't move. Yeah. Couldn't do anything. Like they had a nurse had to come in to like wash me and all those things. Like I had to pee in a bucket basically, right? That I would then put on my table, and a nurse would come in and like empty it and bring it back to me. Right. Our nurses is great. They are great. Um, but it was very it was very difficult. And then after that, I was able to go home after a week, like. I think the day before Christmas, I went home Um, and I just, I still couldn't move. So that was very difficult because like my bedroom was on the bottom floor, but everything was on the top floor. So I had to like get on my butt and scoot down the stairs. Wow. And yeah, and I had to do physical therapy for a month. And then I started after my leg was healed enough, I had to go back to the hospital every week to check out my leg because I still had a tube coming out of it. So blood would come out so I wouldn't get blood clots Mm -hmm. in my leg. Yeah. Um, And I did that and then end of January. I started doing radiation therapy for three months. So every day, Monday through Friday, I'd go to the cancer center and do radiation treatment. Uh, Can you describe exactly what that is though? So it's like,
1: I remember you getting like tattooed dots.
0: Yeah. So they would, it (laughs) has to be at a very certain location on your leg or wherever the treatment needs to be delivered. So I remember going in, they're like, do you mind if we give you tattoos? I was like, I don't care. I got (laughs) (laughs) tattoos. So they had to do these, instead of drawing tracking dots every time on my leg, they just tattooed the tracking dots on to where they had to align the radiation machine right so they tattooed these that's still there on my shin did that and then yeah i would sit in and be about 15 to 30 minutes and it was funny because like you know when you get an x-ray they always leave the room this thing like it's this giant machine that i'm like laying in and everyone leaves the room and it's like dimly lit and they always have like enya playing and they're just doing <laughs> like radiation treatment to me every single day and it was it was difficult because it like it zaps you takes out your energy but also you know it the funny thing about radiation therapy is that eventually generally it will give you cancer so like if i get cancer again it's not going to be because my sarcoma is back it's going to be because i got cancer because the radiation machine um but what it does is it it basically just kills everything yeah. so your skin like starts peeling and blistering like these giant gross blisters on my leg like all three months and they were like super painful huh. but you just have to do it because you don't want to die yeah um right. So, so like this this radiation machine was it like this big articulating
1: arm? Yeah. With like cameras on it to identify where the dots yeah, so like are to be able to orient to itself. Whoop whoop. Yep. And it what? How big was like the actual radiation stream from it? Was like it, was it like a pinprick size and it would just kind of like yeah. move around, or is it just blasting the entire area without moving? No, it's it's
0: relatively pointed, so like it knows where it's going and it moves around the leg. Okay. Um,
2: it shoots radiation at you. Can you yeah. see it? No. <laughs> okay.
0: But the thing that's that was always so strange to me, is that, like, it's this thing that I can, I can't feel it while it's happening. Afterwards, once it's done, like, then you start feeling the effects of the radiation, which is what makes radiation poisoning and stuff so scary to me. It's like, it's a thing that you can't see that you don't know that's there, and then when you do, it's too late. Yeah, that's,
2: yeah. um, well, I just learned today that uh, people that get leukemia often, it's because of radiation. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that.
0: Oh well, if you uh, paid more attention, and could you saw the movies Mad Max? We talk about that.
2: <laughs> that's oh, wait, that's <laughs> where I learned it. Yeah. That's where I
0: learned it. Oh yeah, we did it. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, that's where, where I learned, I learned it. it. Yay, yay! Um, <laughs> that is where I learned it. I take it. back my snark then. All yeah. right, you're forgiven, Jake. All right, thank you. But yeah, so that was a very interesting time of my life because I. Sorry, you go.
1: I mean, yeah. So I'm. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about the experience of having cancer because most people just know that having cancer sucks. Yeah. Like just kind of generally like all right it sucks and i might die those Mm -hmm. are like the two main things people know so you're saying it it zaps your energy now like how how does that work so it's like you're like oh i'm having a good day i had coffee i went in had radiation and then now i'm just tired yeah is that is it how immediate is that is that just kind of like an ongoing thing throughout the course of the months you're doing radiation yeah or is it like only for the first few hours after the treatment no it it would happen
0: most of the day and i think a lot of it too is if you have ever experienced like depression where you just you have no motivation to do anything like you want to, but like, you just can't get your mind to agree to it. Like your body's just, it feels like your body's separate than your mind. Like, yeah, I would be like, I want to do these things, but I just physically can't cause I have no energy. I have no excitement. I have like no motivation to do anything. So I would do, cause my appointments were at one fifteen every day. So I would do all of my meetings and stuff in the morning. Cause after radiation, I just couldn't do anything. I'd like go home, lay on the couch and just like sit there and do nothing. Right. Um, I ordered a lot of delivery, racked up a lot of Postmates bills. Oh, um, so yeah, that was really difficult because it was frustrating to me because I I don't like being stationary. I like to always do things. Yeah. I like to always be working. That's why I like did two jobs at once in New York and LA. Like I just always want to do things. Yeah. So that was very frustrating to me because I was basically like imprisoned in my own body and I couldn't do anything. And then every day with the death thing, like for the entire year, like all of 2016, up until the end of it when they finally told me that like I was cancer free or had been in remission, should I say? Um, I was like every day I was just like well I could die today it's like how I felt every single day and it was this constant thing that I had but then it gets to the point where you're like ah, I'm fine with it now like I could die yeah. Um, so it was a weird headspace to be in but I am happy that I got cancer to be honest like I, it sounds weird but I think bit, I imagine because it gave you a new perspective on life right? yeah I've become a lot more open minded towards things like I used to be very much like oh I don't like that so I'm not going to experience it now I'm like oh I want to experience this to see if I like it because I don't know I think I remember you saying, wasn't hmm. you
1: having cancer and then going into remission, like basically recovering from that, isn't that why you took the the bean job in New York on top of basically starting out a new YouTube, not a YouTube, new YouTube channel, but a recently independent channel? Uh, so now you're working in two states. And that was like, you're like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to, or not... It's not that you had enough. You're like, I want to have more now. I want to be able to do everything that I can.
0: Yeah. Well, I felt like I didn't do as much as I could have done for like a whole year because I was just like done or like scared or whatever. So I wanted to make up for that. So I was like, oh, this is great. Now I can have like another job. I can do more things. I can prove and a, a large part of why I took that job was to prove to myself that I could do something else. I wanted to see if I wasn't just like a one trick pony. I mean, I don't know the answer to that yet still, but that was part of it. And yeah. Part of it was the cancer thing. I was just like. I'm here for such a short amount of time, regardless of if I, like, get cancer again or just in general. Mm-hmm. And I want to do as much as I can. That's always been important to me, is, like, doing more than you think is possible and pushing yourself.
1: And you made a video when you did have cancer. Like, you made a full Vsauce 3 video. Uh, can, can you just kind of briefly explain what it's like making a video,
0: like, production schedule-wise? It was very Could- difficult. So, that video, actually, I had written, uh, like, I, I planned to make it in December of 2015, then all the stuff happened. And I delayed it, and then I just had no energy or motivation to make it. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad because I was like, I'm going to be like in a chair. And then as time went on, like I think it was about five or six months since my last video, I felt very self conscious. Like, oh, I've been making people wait for so long. Like, what if it's not good? I'm I can't move, so I have to be stationary the entire time. Like, is it going to be really dumb? Are people going to be upset? And eventually, I just like forced myself to do. But we had to do it. We could only film before I went to radiation therapy. So we like the longest video I'd ever took me to make like even the mad max video took me three and a half days to film this one took me like a week to film and we i just have to look exactly the same every single day and we would just eric would come over who does all our vfx and cinematography on vsauce and we would just film like in the mornings for a whole week and then i would like sit in my little chair and like edit it and then just do everything that way but it was difficult that's why the whole video so it's it's called like four logical paradoxes i think was yeah, the first was paradox one video mm-hmm. and in the, the entire video i'm sitting down Like, I'm in my Eames chair. Like, I never move out of the Eames chair because I just couldn't walk anywhere.
1: Now, didn't you acknowledge in the video that you had cancer? Yeah. And that's why you weren't going
0: to be moving much? Mm -hmm. Because also I want to acknowledge the fact that, like, this is why, I thought it was a pretty good excuse for why I'd been gone for, like, six months.
1: I feel like having (laughs) cancer is a good enough excuse for practically anything.
2: (laughs) um, So (laughs) So that was interesting. Two two questions on that. Um, Number one, uh, when did they tell you? okay it's in remission or you're cancer free like at what point did that happen after
0: that was in december of 2016 so i remember that very well because i had never really like cried or anything about my lot in life i was like well this is just what i have to deal with and i'll deal with it yeah i remember going to the doctor and i did because i for a while now basically when i had was going through treatment i had to go in like every day and then it turned into after we finished radiation i would go in once a month and do scans then it was every three months then it's every six months, and now it's once a year starting this year. Okay. Um, so I had done my like three month whatever checkup and they came in to tell me the test results. So, like, there's no signs of anything, like everything looks really great. Like your cancer is in remission. And I remember being like, What was that one? He was like, am oh, sorry, I was like, my cancer free? And he's like, Yeah. I was like, Okay, cool. Well, good seeing you, doctor, I gotta go. And I remember like going to the parking garage of the cancer center, just sitting in my car and just like crying. Yeah. Like this huge weight had been lifted from me. Right. I literally thought every single day that I was gonna die. Like I'd already planned out what my last video was going to be. And like, I found oh, wow. out all the music for it Dude. yeah, and like what Heavy. it would look like and the topics that I would talk about. And like, I had this whole entire, it'd be called a life by Jake Roper. Like that, the title just the video would just be called a life and just be about like what it means to like be alive and all these things. And then we end with this very nice montage of like my favorite moments from like videos that I've made or like videos that I've been with my friends and it'd be set to this, uh, song by M83. So I'd have to like try and get a license from them. But anyway, so I had this whole thing planned oh, out.
2: You'd be, gone at that point so you could just post it yeah no one would care set it and forget the thing,
0: it I, I had the whole schedule like i would make it like while i was in the hospital bed like f- i'd start filming it now and then like as i got worse and worse it would like progress through that oh, yeah well. and then like i would basically ask like michael or something to make it public like once i had died like then make the video public wow so i had this whole entire plan in my head of like what my final video would be because i thought that i would die at any moment right. so when he told me that i i potentially wouldn't die at any moment i was like it just i don't know It just like rushed over me and I just sat in my car in this like garage in Los Angeles and just like cried for 20 minutes. Of course you did. Um,
2: That's that's super powerful stuff. And that
0: was like the first time that like I actually cried during the whole process. Yeah. Um, But it's a lot to deal with, man. I think the things that always stuck out to me the most was when I went in for the surgery, the big one, and I remember filling all the paperwork and they asked me like who had power of attorney basically. Like if you don't wake up from surgery, like who has the authority to pull the plug or not? Right. I was like, oh, that's the thing that I've never considered. Yeah. And like my girlfriend at the time was there, and I was like, hey, uh, would you mind like doing this for me? And I had like lay out the rules. I was like, okay, so if like I'm in a coma for this long, like then you can pull the plug. If like this, had, it's like all this stuff, and I'd like write a will, which I'd never considered I'd ever have to write now because I was in my twenties. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all like very weird to me and very made it more real. I think I was like, oh, you have to have your affairs in order. Yeah. It's Like, but I'm just going in for surgery, right? Like, I'm gonna be fine. Maybe. I'm like, well, we don't probably. Know. And then the thing, like, you go to sleep, and then you you wait, and you're like, okay, well, hopefully I wake up again. Right. Um,
2: So so it was strange. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I dealt with that. I lost both my parents to cancer, so I'm intimately familiar with some of the things you're you're going over. Um, But my second question, uh, do you think there was anything, what do you think caused it? Do you think there was any particular thing, or do you think it was just?
0: So as far as I know scientifically, sarcomas are just, mutations it's not predisposed by like if my parents had it like i'm not more likely to get it or okay. less likely to get it and it has nothing to do with like your diet you know it's not like lung cancer where are like oh smoking could help that it's just a random okay. mutation it's just okay. bad luck yeah it just happens do you know exactly what kind of sarcoma it is no i know there's different ones um I don't, here's the thing, when I remember when they were telling me about it, I was like not paying attention, so I was just like, oh my gosh, I have cancer. Yeah. And they're it's like, a, oh, it's says whatever, sarcoma, like, I, the it, thing yeah. I do remember is them telling me that it was like, uh, cause they do it by like grades or something, so it was like a grade three, it was like the most aggressive kind.
2: Oh, it was a grade three? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really aggressive. That's not good. And that's why they were really like very concerned. i caught it, cause at, 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 pretty much after that point, it goes to the rest of your body and.
0: Yeah, so that's, again, why they wanted to cut off my leg, because they're like, if just one cell gets in your bloodstream, yep. like it's going to go everywhere in your body. Yeah. Because since it loves soft tissue, it's like, what is your entire chest? It's soft tissue organs. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Um, like, what is your brain? Like, it would just spread throughout my entire body. So that's what they like, would keep. That's why I had to go every single week and, like, do tests. Yeah. I had to get my blood drawn every single day. Like, all this stuff, just to make sure, like, it didn't spread anywhere. Um, But, yeah, they were very, so that's the thing I paid attention to was, like, wait, grade three, what does that mean? And I would like look it up and it's like, oh, chance of survival is like 10%. I was like, yeah. Okay. That's not great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was like, it was pretty heavy. So I didn't really pay attention to it too much. I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna do whatever they tell me to do. Um, But I lucked out. I mean, luckily we caught it early. I didn't have to do chemotherapy or any of that kind of stuff. It was just radiation therapy. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it worked out well. I still, you know, I'm going in December to do another scan and we'll see, but I feel good.
2: Good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well that's, that's, I'm, I'm glad dude, that's inspirational to, to see like that you've come back, you're, you're, you've learned from it and you're moving forward with that knowledge.
0: Um, yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, weirdly, it was great to have, I'm happy I survived it, but like it really put into perspective, like what was important to me and the things I wanted to focus on and really, even though I I feel like I've always been a relatively driven person, it really amped up what I want to do in my life.
2: That's a perfect segue because I was just about to ask you, uh, what is your ideal Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. I'm gonna write that one down. <laughs> no, what is your ideal creative format? Like, I think you already harped upon it earlier, but just, just if you could
0: do any format, mm-hmm. what would it be? Uh, stop motion. I'd love to make a stop motion really animated children's film. Really, huh. yeah, is mo- my dream. Stop motions is a lot of work. Do you it have is. you done stop stop motion? Yeah, I used to have a show called Fact Surgery on Vsauce Three, where it would be. Um, I
1: remember that. Yeah, so it'd
0: be like Dude. a PlayStation Three, an original Nintendo, like disassembling themselves, and there'd be facts inside of them. Hmm. And I made that because I love the art form. It wasn't so much about the facts. I stopped making it because people only cared about the facts. Yeah. And I was like, no, but it's about the art. <laughs> so stop motion is is what I would love to do. I've always, I mean, if I can make more of because you try the movies, I'd love to do one that is just stop motion. Like I have a Miyazaki 3D episodes. Stop I, mo- I mean, we'd have to get a higher budget, but okay, <laughs> it <laughs> you might need be short. teams of stop motion. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. But I would love to. I would love to make a stop motion film because I think you cool. watch what uh, Leica, 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 L A I K A, Leica, named after the Russian space dog. Anyway, okay. Uh, so they make Coraline. They made Kubo oh, the yes. Two Strings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like they, I would. If you're watching this, someone who works there, I would love to go. Like just tour their studios in Oregon like they are incredible super cool and that's my dream is to make because it's art and i'm not an artist but i would love to try and be one and i want to do a stop motion film awesome so there you go great great answer
2: (laughs) i didn't expect that from i didn't either yeah wild Uh, card
0: wild card this guy's a wild
2: card ladies and gentlemen (laughs) um well uh that's it we did it. We did it.
0: First episode. Yeah, the
2: first episode is complete.
0: What, what? Corridor um, Cast? Dude,
2: I really want to say thank you for coming on yeah, dude, and and, 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 of and supporting this endeavor that we're doing because of course. I, I'm not I'm not going to name names, but I emailed some other people and they were like, <laughs> yeah, we're busy. They used the B word. They told me they were busy.
0: So here's the thing about being busy. You can always make time if something's important to you. Exactly. That's how I feel about it. Relationships work. Yeah. If it's important to you, you can make time and do it. It's true. I mean, that's 24 hours in the day. That's a lot. You just don't sleep. Thanks for being here, man. All right. Thanks for having me. I love you guys. <laughs> if you guys liked what you
2: saw, definitely consider checking out some of our other episodes. We even have cutdowns on the same channel if you guys don't have time to watch a full episode. But we've got special guests. We've got great conversations. We're going to be doing this every week. So consider subscribing. See you around.